yeah, I, I love relationship series, and we do it every single summer. And it's always just a fun way to dig into what I think impacts most of our lives at a very practical level, and that is uh, relationships. But Ephesians chapter 2, verses 18 to 22, this is Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. We shout Father. Father. Come on, we shout Father. 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 So then, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Every shout household. household. So you have two designations happening right now. You've got Father, you've got household. Watch what happens. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together as God built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So we see this piece of scripture right here. Paul introduces God as, as not just God, this big, big object in the sky, so to speak, but God as Father, right? And then he says you're being built into this, this household of faith. So today as we close out our series, Mixtapes and Love Letters, I want to speak to you from the subject, it's a family thing. It's a family thing. As we look at the community known as the local church. And I think it, 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 it's something that we need to talk about in the series because there's been a lot of practical conversation about our own relationships, dating, marriage, singleness, um, parenting. Like, oh, we've gone through everything. The panel last week I heard was absolutely awesome and everybody enjoyed that. Um, but I want to finish this thing. I want to close this thing out by talking about church as a family. Can we do that this morning? Let's pray one more time. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, right now, I pray that you would do that. I pray that you, would, uh, that you would bring change into our hearts and our minds, that you would encourage us, that you would bring wholeness where there's brokenness, hope where there's hopelessness, God, healing where there's hurting. And I just thank you for today, this moment that we have. Uh, we could all be in a million and one other places in this Labor Day weekend, but God, we chose to be in your house as a family, as a community of people. And so I pray today that, that while we sit in this community underneath the teaching and the authority of your word, that God, that you would bring unity and blessing. We love you. We worship you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' mighty name, come on and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Um, how many of you would agree with me family life can be crazy? Right? How many of you would agree? Let's double down on that. Family life with kids in the mix can be even crazier. Come on, somebody. Um, we, we chose to do something daring this year. We chose to homeschool our kids. Um, let, me, let me correct that. Erica chose to homeschool our kids. <laughs> And uh, I volunteered for Bible and PE, <laughs> which, is, which includes reading the scriptures to my kids and taking them skiing. So it's because I'm a good, good father. Um, it's who I am. And so <laughs> that, was, that was my contribution. She's like, you want to help with math? And I was like, do you want kids who don't know anything? Um, so we waved bye-bye to that. But she's doing an amazing job. I, I leaned over to her in worship because I was just watching my kids over here and they're clapping during worship and everything like that. And I've actually watched the demeanor of our kids kind of change a little bit. And, and for us, we chose this. We chose this moment to do this just because as they get older, it's a little bit harder to remove them from friends and everything like that. So we said, hey, like, we just want life's crazy for us. As a family, it's crazy for us. So we just decided, like, we just want our kids around us a little bit more. We want to work through some things with them. And, and you know, right now, we just want to make sure that we're inputting as much as possible. But y'all, our house is nuts right now. Like, it is, it is a tornado of chaos. Like, from, from sun up to sundown. It is insane. Like I, like, I had a buddy over uh, the other day, and, he, and like, he's like, hey, can I get a drink of water? And I reluctantly said yes, because I was like, I don't really want you in my house right now. Because when you walk in, so like, have you ever done the preemptive apology? <laughs> 
Come on, no judgment in this church this morning. Come on, how many of you have done the preemptive apology where you're like, hey, just in advance, my house is a disaster, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries, don't worry about it. So he walked in and then he like paused, (laughs) like, you weren't lying. (laughs) But, and and it is, and it's like we decided to, we've just embraced a messy season in, in our lives. I mean, we're doing the best, you know, like things that you can still eat off of things, but by and large, it's still a messier season. And I think no matter how big or small a family is, it has a dynamic, doesn't it? It's got a thing going on in it, a way in which we do family. And some families are loud, our family, right? This would be the family in which we develop and reside in. Others are soft-spoken families. Some are active. Some are more chill. Some are artistic. Others are sports-oriented families. You know those families that travel everywhere to get every kid in sports? And they're doing 45 different sports? And you're like, I didn't even know they had a sport like that. Like, what's your kid doing now? Cricket? And they're, what? Because they're just into sports, right? But, and all families, no matter how big or small, loud or soft, they're dysfunctional. At the end of the day. Like, come on. Like, in one degree or another, they're dysfunctional. But at the same time, they're functional. That's what families are. It's this weird dynamic. Every family has a dynamic. You'd say that. And how many of you know, like, you can walk into family moments and nothing's even said and you can, you can feel, you can sense the dynamic at play, right? You walk into a holiday moment and there's a dynamic. Like, I can go home and I can step right through my door after a day at work and I can, and I can figure out the dynamic or what part of dynamic we're in <laughs> in any given moment in my household. Why? Because there is a family dynamic. But at the end of the day... It's family. At the end of the day, we love it. We got some things that we don't like, and we got some things that we're frustrated by, but at the end of the day, it's family. I've heard so many people say that, like, my family's messed up. But hey, it's family. Right? Hey, it's family. Like, that's what, <laughs> we go in that direction, right? There's this mob mentality to our family. Why? Because it's family. And here's what I've come to discover. The local church is no different. It's family. It acts like a family. It has family moments, bad and good. There is both function and dysfunction. Yet at the end of the day, it's family. And that's, that's the thought process I want to explore today. That's, that's what I want to go through today. Because there, there are four major themes that we see in the New Testament concerning what the church is. And more importantly, those themes help us understand the nuances of church and the things that cause it to be at times difficult to deal with and hard to understand, much like a family. And I want to take the rest of our time together this morning to explore these four themes. Because I think that if we understand these four themes as family, we get, we get to be a better family. Yeah. Right? And here's what I've come to understand. I want to, I want to make a qualifier too because there's a lot of debate. Maybe you've heard this debate before. The difference between small church and big church. How many of you have been there before? Right? The well is a large church. We, we, like, there's no qualifiers anymore. It's a large church. And I know I've had conversations with people and they're like, it's just so hard to get connected at a large church. And at the end of the day, a large church or a small church doesn't make it a bad church or a good church. It's how we decide to do family. There's big families and there's small families, but it doesn't make them inherently bad or good. It's how we do family that's important. It's how we learn to connect with each other and it's how we dig into table groups like we're talking about. It's the decision between going to the 
the party in the park or not going into the party of the park. Right? Come on, somebody. And so we've got to understand how we do family. And they're like, but there's dysfunctional people. You're a part of it. Let's hang. But there's functional people. You're a part of it. Let's hang. There's people who love to worship. I don't like that. There's people who love to do this. I don't like that. There's people who do this and that. But it's family at the end of the day. And so size, I just want to make sure that, that we use this qualifier. Size doesn't inherently speak to bad or good. How we do family is what's important. Right. How we build this thing called family. Come on, we shout family. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're part of my family. Turn back to your other neighbor and be like, great. <laughs> so let's explore some of these, some of these themes that I think will bring, uh, that they'll help us uh, with the practical realities that we face um, when it comes to church as family. But need your help this morning. Come on, every shot number one. Here's the first theme that we see in, in this family idea throughout scripture. The first one is this, is that there's a spirit of adoption. <laughs> I love this one. There's a spirit of adoption. Romans chapter 8 verse 15, watch what it says. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's watch, children. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be also glorified with him. Here's the truth. The church is a house with a bunch of adopted kids running around. Did we just create a picture for, like all of a sudden that changes the dynamic in which we walk into church now, doesn't it? See, if we understand, I think honestly out of the rest of these points, I could probably scratch the rest of them. If we understand this point, it changes the way we do this thing called family. Because how many of you understand there are some different dynamics at play when there's a bunch of adopted kids running around? Now we've never adopted before. There's families in this church that have adopted before. We honor those families and we love those families because to that, there, there, there's great grace that's required. There's great love that many of us don't even have at times to be able to give in a way that a family that adopts does. But here's the truth. The church is a house of, a, uh, of adopted kids running around. You and I are those kids and this is the one of the most beautiful truths of the gospel. Right? And if we understand this dynamic at play in the context of church life and in Christian as a whole, it changes everything. See, I grew up with siblings. In my case, brothers. Some of us in here have sisters. Others, it's a variation of both. Some with lots and some with only one. Either way, most of us in here understand what it's like to have other siblings in the house. Come on, how many of you grew up with just brothers? Show of hands. Not a trick question. Just brothers? Where are the just sisters in the house? Who had a mixed family, boys and girls in the house? Okay, most, most of us in here. How many of us in here would all agree that having siblings in the house, it created a crazy life? It was, it, there was all kinds of dynamic to it, all kinds of variables to it. Like I look at my kids in the house right now, I've got a, a, a almost 10 year old, 8 year old, and a 2 year old. Two girls and a boy. And man, it's so cool to watch right now because there's a lot, I mean they fight, they argue, they do their thing, but at the same time, like my little daughter right now, Shiloh, is such a mama bear to my two-year-old girl. Taking care of her and justice, he's the coolest big brother on the planet because when Shiloh's like, I'm done with all of you, he takes her outside and plays with her and hangs out with her and watches out for her. He's uber protective already. It's super cool to watch. Why? Because at the end of the day, no matter what their differences are, no matter what's going on at play in the dynamic of family life, come on somebody. 
somebody, they are still siblings. They are still brother and sister. Alright, and the church is a lot like this, but more complex. In the fact that we've been adopted or grafted into this family, and we bring with us to the table a lot of stuff. That's why at times the house can be such an interesting place to be. Come on, like therapy moment. Have you ever just thought to yourself, the church is weird? <laughs> right? I'm normal. Everyone else is weird. Right? <laughs> Why? Because there's a bunch of adopted kids running around. You've been grafted in. We've been adopted by Christ to whom we cry, Abba Father, but come on somebody, we got some background stuff going on in our lives. We got some places and some spaces where we've been hurt and we've been frustrated and we're bringing a lot of stuff to this thing called family. And so because of that, it gets a bit interesting at times. But what we need to understand is that there's beauty in adoption. That at the end of the day, no matter where we're coming from, no matter what we're coming out of, as we get thrown into this mix called family, it is one of the most beautiful pictures on the planet. Here's why. Because when the world is caught up in division, we can show what it looks like to be caught up in unity. When the world is in the throes of what it looks like to be divided and and hate-oriented and disenfranchised and and cornered to the seams of life, we as the church have the distinct opportunity to be able to say, listen, we've all been adopted. And so no longer are we different. We celebrate what we are together as sons and daughters of Jesus in his house, all together, running around like crazy. We are adopted brothers and sisters. Right? So that's what... what this picture is that Paul's trying to drive at us. And that's why it's really important because if we look at, like if I, if I, look, at, if I look at Ben as my brother, it's going to be very differently if I look at him as a potential foe or somebody who's just different than me in this, in this context. Why? My brother's bugged me all the time. But I didn't leave my family. <laughs> Come on somebody. I didn't go, you know, Ben... He's really frustrating me. So I'm out. Peace. Can't do this family thing anymore. No. We took the bad with the good. We took the beautiful with the ugly. Why? Because we're family. And at the end of it all, we'd hug. We'd do life. we keep on going. Right? There's awkward moments. Weird Thanksgivings. Uneasy Christmases. Because Ben's weird. He's got stuff going on. It's all right. He's my brother. <laughs> Come on, anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? And so we got to see things a little bit differently. And so to understand church as a family, the first thing that we need to understand is that there's a spirit of adoption. Now, we don't necessarily run around calling each other brother and sister because that gets weird really quick. And um, you don't need to do that. We have first names. It's all right. Um, <laughs> but Berenstein Bears style, I guess you could. Mike, my, my <laughs> Just, Justice and Shiloh, they do that actually. They're like, hey, brother. <laughs> and somebody's like, are you okay? Did you come from an Amish background? No, my kids watched the Berenstein Bears a lot. It was brother and sister. But do not call me papa. Like, let's not... <laughs> No. So the first thing is the spirit of adoption. Come on, every shot number two. Second thing is this, is that um, the family, known as the church, has a kingdom culture. 
It has a kingdom culture. Colossians chapter 1, 9 through 14 says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard this, check out this cultural reality. This is, like a, this is a family creed. We haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, patience joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who is in enabled you to share in the saints inheritance in the light. He has rescued you from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That is a kingdom culture. That is family culture. Yeah. It's a beautiful culture. It's a culture where we come to the table. That's why we have the welcome home sign over the door. Why? Because you're stepping into a kingdom culture hopefully. So you come into this place and you realize, man, there are things going on that are so much bigger than I. The problem that we're facing, though, in our current generation is that we've bought into this idea that it's the church's job to change the culture around us. We do this with the assertion that because God is love and grace, that this is his heart and desire. But there's a thing that's unwavering, does not change, and that is kingdom culture. He establishes it as death. Guess what my kids do not get to do in my house? Change our culture. Why? Because mom and dad set that culture. Right? We said, hey, kids, this is, this is what we are developing. Our, this is who the parishes are. That's what we said. This is the parish. Why? Because we're creating a culture. We're wanting them to live within a culture. Right? And in that place, we said, this is what it is. And the problem that we're facing right now, I think, in this generation, is that we're trying to change kingdom culture. But kingdom culture doesn't change. It's been established by the one who was before all things, in all things, working through all things. It's his establishment of culture. And we got to say, okay, I'm living in this house. And guess what? By doing so, we reap the benefits of that culture. That's what I love about it. How many of you walked into Bed Bath & Beyond before? How many of you walked directly right out? As quick as you walked in. <laughs> Seriously, every time I walk past Bed Bath & Beyond, like I almost faint. Like I'm just like, oh my gosh, right? Or Abercrombie & Fitch. Remember those days? <laughs> I say, you know, right? Literally, you walk past it and you smell like one of those models. Everybody's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Here's the cool part about that though. Here's what I love. They've gone overboard with the smell. Like, let's just be real about it, right? But everybody knows when you've been in there. Right? You walk into Abercrombie and Fitch, you walk into Bed Bath and Beyond, you come smelling like a pomegranate, cucumber, watermelon, grape person. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, the minute you walk in and you walk back out, someone's like, oh, you've been in Bed Bath and Beyond, right? Not Bed Bath and Beyond, it's the other place. Bath and Body Works, sorry. You walk in Bed Bath and Beyond, <laughs> you smell like a brand new comforter. <laughs> Toilet de la sheet, that's what it smells like. <laughs> that was a tongue tie right there. But you walk into those places, Bath and Body Works or Abercrombie Fish or just a cologne shop in general, and you, you come back out, what, you, you smell like it. people are like, you, you've been someplace. That's what the, the culture, the kingdom culture is supposed to be like. You, you've, you've been around somebody. You've spent time with some people. It's not about perfection. It's about culture. It's, some, it's something else. 
See, a place like this, hopefully we're creating a place where you can come in and you can walk out and the world around us goes, You're, you, you smell different. You look different. You feel different. And we're able to say, I've been around family. I've been around family. It's a kingdom culture. Here's what I've come to realize. Is that the assimilation of kingdom culture is not so much about addition as much as about subtraction in our lives. That's what we find presented to us in the book of John. John 3.30 says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. It's kingdom culture. It filters through us. The problem that I think we're facing right now is we're trying to add a bunch of things to this kingdom culture. And it's like, no, 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 you don't get to add to this culture. We have to decrease so that we can have family culture. This is our house. This is who we are. This is the culture that should mark the family in the house of God. Brothers, sisters, kingdom culture. And here's the thing that we need to understand. Kingdom culture is not a set of rules that Jesus has designated. It's a way of being in order for our protection and our guidance and our well-being. We read kingdom culture and we look at some of these things that are part of kingdom culture and we see there, ah, Jesus, he's just being legalistic, setting a bunch of rules. Can I tell you that I've never woken up on any given day as a father thus far in my years of parenting, which is only about 10 years now, to the oldest child. I have never woken up and went, you know, leaned over to Erica, babe, today we should create a bunch of rules that make our kids' life just a disaster. <laughs> I want to implement a bunch of rules so that they hate me and they hate our family and they hate our culture. No, we've said that never. What we've done is we've gotten up and we said, how do we build a household that allows our kids to step into everything that they're supposed to be? How do we create a place that they can wander about, learn things, but at the same time, there is a fence line so that they're protected from things that they cannot handle yet because I want them to become everything that God wants them to be. And so I create a culture that's why culture is so important that's why we have this culture here and everything that we do there's culture behind it right. I'm a freak about culture ask Pastor Andrew I'm tweaky about it yeah. yes our team I'm tweaky about it. we love culture why because it's saying this is what our family is about it doesn't make it right it doesn't make it wrong it just makes it us yeah. come on how many of you know there's some things in our families that we're just like ah <laughs> and there's other things that we love but if you notice, we try to make everything bad versus good. <laughs> Gotta stop that. It's, it's kingdom culture. So we have, a spirit, we have a spirit of worship here. That's part of our culture. We love to worship. For some of us, this is not our cultural style of worship. Right? For, the other, for others of us, we want the Bible taught in different ways and in different voices and everything like that. So sometimes it's like, man, that really resonated with me today. And other times it's like, ah, that didn't resonate with me today. That's okay. It doesn't have to resonate with everybody at every given moment. Why? Because sometimes I'm talking to my son and other times I'm talking to my daughter. Why? Because we're family. We're family. I don't, un- like, I don't unilaterally try to grab a hold of all my kids. I'm going to teach, teach you the same lesson. I'm talking to Justice, who's 10, and Eliana's looking at me drooling still with a binky in her mouth. <laughs> you don't get it. But he does. Yeah. Good. Good. 
think about this. Because we have this dynamic in church life. Sorry. <laughs> this is my, I get excited, I'm about to preach dance. So, um, <laughs> because at the end of the day, this is what we do sometimes. So what, sometimes what we do is we try to change kingdom culture, and we want a church just for the 10-year-olds who understand things a little bit more, and we reject the 2-year-olds that don't understand things as much. But we're family, so we got to work through it all. There are times where there are poopy diapers in my house. Why? Because I have a small baby. But there are other times that justice is going to have to learn some things and understand some things because he is older and more mature. There are times where we're having adult conversations so no one's around to hear those things. Why? Because it's family dynamic. It's kingdom culture. That's what I love about the house of God. We need everything from, from baby to mature. And then you know what I love about my son? Because we have kingdom culture, because we have culture happening in our house. What I love about my son is he doesn't get frustrated when he has to hang out with my two-year-old. He will gladly change things up in order to be with my two-year-old. Kingdom culture. Number three. Come on, shout number three. Three. You getting something out of this this morning? Come on, every shout, hey, we're family. Number three, the third thing that, the, the, the third theme that we see is a specific mission. A specific mission. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21, we read this the other day, but it bears repeating for the sake of, of this point. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective, even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective. Yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry, 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 ministry. Ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed the message. He has committed it. The message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors. What? Ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through everyone else but me. Through us. And we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We talked about this in personal reconciliation, but the mission of the church is specific. We are ambassadors of this ministry of reconciliation. We're reconciling. We're helping people understand who God is. But you're like, I'm messed up. Great. Keep walking it out. We're all messed up. We all have stuff going on in our lives, but we've been entrusted with this ministry. It's a specific mission. I have this tattoo right here. I just added some peace. I had to have my third daughter put on the other day. Um, so I didn't want her to feel rejected in our family. <laughs> And uh, up here on the top, this is my family tree. These are the birds to represent them. This is Erica. She's got a crown on because she's my queen. I know. I love it. But here's the deal. Up here, up in the armpit area, so I'm not going to show it to you because it gets weird in church. But it says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Why? Because my house is a specific mission. And we're unapologetic about it. It has a specific mission. Our home has a specific mission. Here's what I love. My daughter, Shiloh, Justice says it sometimes, but he's still, I don't know, out there in La La Land. Um, but Shiloh especially, she'll go, um, 
Daddy, I want to be a pastor when I get older. And every time she says it, I get super excited about it. And not because I have like this high view of being a pastor. It's actually deeper than that. It's because I recognize that she's understanding the mission of our family. It's not about being a pastor. She could be a business person. He can be a business person. She can be an artist. I don't care what she does. But what she's assimilate, like what she's assessing right there, is she's, not, she's not assessing what I do. She's not even in here to see what I do all the time. What she's assessing is the family thing. It's the family business. At the end of the day, the ministry of reconciliation. Saying Our house has always been about people. It will continue to be about people. We moved to Utah to make this thing about the Valley of Salt Lake. We ain't going nowhere. Nothing's happening. Come hell or high water, we're going to keep on moving forward. We are here for the duration. I will retire here. I will die here in a cabin on the mountains if I need to. But at the end of the day, our family has a mission. This house has a mission. It is the mission of God to reach people far from him. It's the mission of God. So the church, this family has a specific mission. And the last one is this, number four. Come on, we're shot number four. I like this one. You'll like this one. We have a call to care. We have a call to care. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 27. Instead, so Paul's assessing this word instead, Paul's assessing previous conversation. So he's creating this argument that we can see. So he's saying this is, this is how you understand it, but instead... Watch this. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern. Remember shout concern? concern? They'd have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. We have a call to care. We have a call to be the type of church that that cares. And I think if we're all honest in here, we've probably been in places and spaces within church culture that you could go, they don't care. Like, honest. Can we be real? Check this out. I believe that one of the greatest indictments upon the church is the lack of care that so often takes place within it. And the reason for this is because many times we simply have a low assessment of people. Did you hear that? We need to hear that today. One of the greatest reasons that we tend not to care is because we have a low assessment of people. Well, where's that in the Bible? 1 John 4, 16 through 21. And we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God. And God remains in him. In this, love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because he is so also we in this world there's no fear in love instead perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment so the one who fears is not complete in love we love we love we love because he first loved us if anyone says I love God and yet hates his brother or sister he is a liar this is, this is heavy-weighted Bible right now. I'm going to push some buttons right now. <laughs> if anyone says, I love God, 
yet hates his Democratic or Republican brother or sister. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know if I want to come back to this church. <laughs> Guys, I'm just watching a lot of hate right now. Watch what it says. I love God and yet hates his brother or sister. He is a liar. <laughs> For the person who does not love his brother or sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. preposition that's being made here it is an, it, it's not congruent if we hate others and say we love God it's an impossibility the assessment of our love for God is how we love others now qualifier that doesn't mean that we have to agree with everybody I don't agree with everybody that doesn't mean that we can't have our positions on different things but what it does mean is that we can't hate what it does mean is that we can't abuse. What it does mean is that we can't shroud our opinions with Christian platitudes in order to still drive our opinions across the line. Come on, am I talking to anybody? It's getting quiet in church today. And we have this command from him. The one who loves God must also love his brother and sister. So we said it. As parents, we said the thing I thought I'd never say in my household. Justice and Shiloh, they were going at it. It was crazy. They were fighting, yelling at each other, pitching fits around each other. Constant. It was just constant. It was this back into summertime. And then I said the thing that I thought I'd never say to each other. This is the only brother and sister you will ever have. I said. And of course, my smart aleck girl goes, well, there's still Shiloh. Or still Eliana. And I was like, true. But what was the, what was the assessment that we were making? I'm trying to let her know that we can't, we can't, in this family, we can't hate our brother and our sister. It doesn't work. This is a house. And here's the deal. If we can't do it right in here, how are we going to do it right in the world? If I can't love Mike in here, how am I going to love somebody in the world? Am I talking to anybody today? It's a family thing. This is the family. And there's lots of families all around this valley. Now, it's a universal family as well, for sure. We are all part of this big, massive family all across the world. There are people, literally, in all kinds of little houses all across the world doing the same thing that we are doing today as Paul would talk about adopted children crying out, Abba Father, in Brazil, and in Mexico, and in Africa, and in Asia, all across the world, in all kinds of different locations, in all kinds of different time zones. It is one big, massive, multi-campus church. Big C. But then we have little C's running around. These local little families. Some are kind of crazy. And lots of lights and lots of stuff. And people who just wander around the stage with their guitar like they're lost. And all it like... Right? And some are more reverent and a little bit more quiet and everything that's not bad, it's not good, it is what it is. Why? Because, hey, we're family. That's what we do. That's what this house is. This house is loud. This house is a little bit crazy. This house has some stuff going on. But come on, we're family. I got some stuff going on in my life, but 
We're family. I got some things that I'm trying to work out, but we're family. And it doesn't matter what comes. I'm going to walk through that door and it's welcome home. You want to be a part of the family? Be a part of the family. We're going to love you. We're going to care for you. We're going to bless you. We're going to do life with you. Why? It's family. It's family. I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet in this moment. Jesus, we worship you. We honor you in this place.